we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar, where we dive deep into geopolitics and the news of the day and all the things that matter to you and your money. We're your hosts. I'm three-time Nobel Peace Prize winner Sequoia Kennedy. And I'm doctor of podiatry, Willow Truman. Excellent. And uh, you know, that's you all you all know that's not true. We're just having a little goof em up. Um, excuse me. Nobody even congratulated me on graduating med school. No one congratulated me on being <laughs> a three time Nobel Peace Prize winner. <laughs> I who's to say I'm not a foot doctor? You can you can who's, be a foot who's doctor. To say? Well, we are not a show that dives no, deep into geopolitics. No, we most certainly and, aren't. But we are a show that talks about extreme stories and extreme people and we got one of them right here with us. A live one. A live one. We got a live one. One of our good friends, Cody, has spent the last four months in Ukraine as a paramedic. Is that is that? I sure. That's why I went there. I used to be a paramedic. Um, uh, that's how it started. And with the, how it ends was I was a doctor and you could be a doctor. And if you want, and you, a can, doctor of you can be a doctor. <laughs> you can be a doctor of whatever you want. Okay. Well, that's how they give you drugs. Sake. <laughs> right on. For simplicity's sake, he went there to be a paramedic. Yep. And he's, he came back. Uh, this is we're recording this mid-July on a Thursday. I picked him up from the airport on a Monday. And it, for a few months, like I've insinuated that shit's been really stressful. I haven't talk, talked about like why things have been really stressful. Has a lot to do with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> for various reasons, you know, uh, Cody is my roommate and uh, landlord and one of <laughs> and one of my best friends. Just really getting behind the scenes here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, we wanted to bring him on the show to not explain geopolitics or anything that matters to you or your money, but because it's a fucking ridiculous story. And we're going to get right into that. Before we do, let's do our tarot pull. Yes, let's. Six of Wands. Victory. Nice. That is Jupiter <laughs> in Leo, uh, the Sphere of Tifereth on in uh, Atzaluth, right in the, the center, the core of the Tree of Life. The belly. Uh, Tifereth is beauty, is the, the Sphere of Beauty, I believe. It's the the soul, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A fiery soul of a short man in the breadbasket of Europe. <laughs> Uh, oh buckwheat yes yeah so so where where should we start well um i think well let me say that uh you know it was i was over at my parents house i was having they're having a a birthday dinner yeah it was it was the week and after my birthday i wanted to have dinner for us and uh, i get a text from from cody (laughs) and he's like we gotta talk i was going i was i just reached to my phone to just double check that um that's kind of where I was going to start too. Yeah. That, 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 that <laughs> I will. I realize I remember your response so perfectly. I don't. You can't do that to, to a person with anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Too. By the way, you can't just text them. We have to talk. Well, I, you totally can. <laughs> I knew 
exactly what he was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he said, is, I, um, do you remember your response to no. we have to talk? I do. What was it? <laughs> the response was about 10 seconds after you read it. <laughs> yeah. Just immediately I got the response popped up on my phone. You are not allowed to go to Ukraine to die in the mud. <laughs> and uh, Bad, bad boy. You're not allowed. I was like, well, honestly, my mom took it better than that, but someone had to say it. Mom said I could, so I'm going. That's fucking funny. <laughs> she did. Ah, <laughs> uh, and now you were not a paramedic at the time. No, no. I am currently um, an EMT basic, which is basic in education. Yeah. 120, 150 hours of education. Um, I was a paramedic about five years ago, if I remember how time works. Yeah, it's, it's about right. Four to five years ago. Um, I got away from the profession just because I was pretty done with it yeah. and burnt out. Um, and I've been wanting to get back into it. Hell of a way to do it. Yep. So I'm not a military veteran. It's one of the most common questions people would ask. Uh, I did, however, want to be in the military and I wanted to be a combat medic and I wanted to do all this stuff. Um, <clears throat> and there's a lot of that energy that really shines through Yeah, that I just have in my life. And people, when I told them my plans, they said, yep, that makes sense. Cause yeah. also I've done wackadoo stuff in the past. I'm told. Well, yeah. I mean, you're at a, you're a fucking, you're an adrenaline junkie and, uh, you like extreme situations. Yeah. And you know, the <laughs> type of person that can remain <clears throat> calm in extreme situations, exactly. which is, you know, a good thing to know about oneself. Mm-hmm. Okay. There was a whole lot of wacky shit with how you got over there and the confusion and the speed at which that happened. And I don't know mm-hmm. if you want to go into any of that because we haven't really talked about how that sh- shook out. Maybe let's just start. You land in Warsaw, Poland. That's the perfect place to start. Yeah. Um, I drop your ass off in Boston. So I get dropped off in Warsaw with two other people who I had known over the internet. I'm going to speed through this a tiny little bit because sure. our relationship ended on a pretty negative note. Ooh, I'm going to have um, to talk. You got to tell me about that later on. Yeah. But basically over the past week, yeah, from soup to nuts, it was about a week between um, the war breaking out and me landing or 10 days, 10 days. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bananas. Yeah. So by this time, we've already made several contacts in, in uh, Ukraine, um, several of them doctors, some some were just people that like saw us Googling things about Ukraine and said, I'm Ukrainian on the subway. In Warsaw? No, like in, in the U.S. Oh, okay. One of the most serendipitous things that happened, and this whole trip was full of it, was that one of the first people I came with was Googling body armor. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. And the man on the subway next to her saw her and said, are you going to Ukraine? And that's, through that connection is how we got a woman who met us in Poland and drove us over. Oh, wow. Um, and she had an official pass to like basically cut traffic because she was bringing uh, goods and supplies. So she helped us just like cut to the front of the line at the border. That's wild. Yep. And it's very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. It was again. And that came from Googling body armor. And this on. is why you should always look at other people's phones, <laughs> public transportation. Just be real nosy. See what they're, see what they're looking at. Yeah, just see what they're looking at. See if you can help. Yeah, maybe one you time, can sponsor their wacky adventure. One, one time I, I saw a guy, this was in a library. It wasn't public transportation, but uh, I was, you know, kind of sneaking up. He had uh, one of his, uh, just a tooth out, <laughs> a tooth sitting next to him. Oh, all right. And he was reading Chronicles of Narnia fan fiction. That tracks. I was like, this guy's awesome. <laughs> Whose tooth was it? 
yeah, his own. Was it? Yeah, because he smiled and there was one gone. Okay. All right. All right. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. So yeah. we get pulled across the border or we get driven across the border. Uh, we stay one night in this woman's house. Some of uh, the remainder of my group leaves. I'm the only one who spends a the night there. They head off up to Kiev. So the next morning, uh, I had told my host that I was here to be a medic and I truly had medical intentions. I really did not go over there with any intent to play soldier because right. it's not a skill set that I have. Right. No matter how much of like a fantasy it is, a boyhood dream, like let's be honest and let's use our skills, how they're useful and where they're needed. So they told me they were going to drop me off in a military hospital the next morning. And I said, awesome. And like, I'll figure it out from there. And she said, you know, if you need more, if you need to spend another night in my house or a week, you're more than welcome. So the next morning we, I packed my bags. Yeah. Just got in her car and we drove off to the military hospital. And this is uh, my first time when we got to the military hospital is when I quickly realized that maybe not everybody has their shit together. <laughs> um, because where we drove was a college campus with security guards that were very much armed and <laughs> didn't really know what was going on. Right. Um, and they told me, all right, this is the Georgian Legion. And I said, huh? Oh, all right. Okay. Uh, in fact, I don't know if they knew it was the Georgian Legion. Um, they knew it was a place for volunteers though. Right. And th- that was the big thing. There's a volunteer center. It's not the international Legion. We'll take them there. I found out it was a legion when the guy, when one of the guys walked me in, uh, he said, yep, cool. You're, you speak English, any other languages? No, you're from America. Okay. We'll put you with the other English speakers. So I walk in to this beautiful old cathedral that just smells terrible. Um, (laughs) and I get introduced or I, I get shuffled into a room, a tiny little room and am greeted with like five, six of the most just intimidating people I've ever met. They're all good friends now. Right on. Um, Hell yeah. They're all, they were all very clearly like veterans, um, like combat vets guys who've just like, you know, like dudes with like skeletons tattooed on the yeah, yeah, yeah. and then running up their arm. It's, it's just, it's a look. And I was there also. Uh, were these guys Ukrainians? No, no. So the, these were the foreigners. Okay. Um, one of them, uh, who I'm no problem naming, uh, was the leader there. His name was Swampy. Um, <laughs> And yeah, so it all starts with Swampy. He was the cause of the smell. Yeah. <laughs> when I was there, uh, he accidentally got like a real haircut. Um, so also he looked, he looked like a man. You would be like, which one of these guys is Swamp? Oh yeah, that's, that's, Swamp. that's Swampy. Yeah, okay, um, hell yeah. Swampy is currently running, to my knowledge, one of like the largest uh, volunteer EOD, explosive ordnance disposal. Word. Things in the entire country. And he... Uh, anybody listening should look him up and donate to him. Hell yeah. I know him personally, and those funds are going to be used appropriately. Hell yeah. And that's uh, about the only person I can say that about. If you get a link for that, I'll put it in the show notes. Awesome. So it all starts with Swampy, myself, uh, 30 Brits, and others of various nationalities, mostly Brits. Swampy's Brit. So it all starts in a uh, room with Swampy and the Brits. Uh, most of them are Brits. <laughs> I love that band. <laughs> Swampy and the Brits. Swampy yeah. and the Brits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the worst 80s band ever. Um, and my timing could not have been more lucky because I I get in, I ask to see like their med bay, like find a place to sleep. It was the floor. I see their med bay because I'm worried. I want to know if there's anything to do. It's a room that has cement on the walls. It's cement walls. Um, and that's the med bay. Um, it's, not, it's not wood plastered over with cement. No. no. Uh, <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah. Uh, that was also the bomb shelter. 
it did not look or feel safe at all. <laughs> uh, but that I became, that was fine. Yeah. I got used to that. And about an hour after I get there, Swampy assembles everyone and says, right. So, uh, the Georgian Legion is shit and I'm leaving and I'm going to go do this awesome humanitarian project with these guys I've just met. Uh, and we're going to try to make this awesome, this awesome project happen. And the premise of it was they wanted to, instead of fighting and they wanted to extract kids or like, like pull, right basically do hot and cold extractions. Yeah. Yeah. Which basically means you go in, you grab people who are, who you need to grab, pull them out. Um, usually that's something that private military contractors do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously the more dangerous, the more pay. So like a, a, a team of guys in an armored car goes driving in somewhere dangerous, grabs people and gets the fuck out. Exactly. Yeah. The goal was not to do it for profit. However, we basically said we will need money right. for, for, for just everything for the cost of living. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we will need money for the cost of living. However, we're not trying to make a profit here. So a lot of people sided with Swampy and Swampy also said, uh, I'm leaving, we're leaving tonight. Um, and anybody who wants to just get away from this place, because a lot of the people had felt unsafe, you're, you're all welcome. You have no requirements to stay with me. Right on. And Swampy was an awesome guy. So later that night, as we're all getting ready to leave, the air raid siren goes off for the first time I wish. for me. And I was, you know, scared because a lot of the people in this area were scared. Yeah. As you know, one would be in a war so new. They're still bombing that city fairly frequently. And what uh, part of it? This was in the west. Yeah. So this is this is Lviv. Okay. Um, which is a very western city, the yeah. most western city I've been in. Uh, used to be part of Poland, um, and feels very culturally different. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's hindsight. Um, given that the farther east I got, the more the uh, paint started dripping off reality. Right. <clears throat> I've heard that about Eastern Europe. Yep. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. So the air raid siren goes off. Everybody gets kitted up. I quickly realize that like I'm one of the only people without like military kit. Right. And also all these guys look fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> and it was really cool hanging out with these guys. And I was like, man, these, these, I'll hang out with these guys because they look cool. So anyways, we leave the goddamn terrifying bunker because yeah. we had literally been outside waiting for a van to sneakily pick us up because we were scared the Georgian Legion was going to do something. Right. Um, that was just par- runaway paranoia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And turns out they had this amazing uh, bunker system that some of them had dug. So we all shuffle in there. Uh, it's really fun. Everybody's everybody's enjoying themselves. Yeah. And then we're all in there huddled up in the dark making jokes. And like, <laughs> you know, I loved it because I, I had always wanted to like do the job that these guys had done. Yeah. And... You know, I was like, this is cool. And I looked around and everyone else was like, hey, this is cool. Um, <laughs> so I felt I felt pretty comfortable there um, in the dark. Uh, um, and then out of nowhere, this guy who I became very close with just goes around and starts lighting candles that he had put all over the bunker system. And it was one of the most uh, serene, weird, odd things I've ever seen. Yeah. Huddled up in the dark and just this Welshman just strikes a match. That's all you see. It's a match head. And he puts it to the wall in pitch black yeah. and lights a candle that he somehow remembered he put there. That's what and he just walks around and does that all over this tunnel system. Eventually, we get out of the bunker because uh, the honest truth is the air raid sirens get pretty boring. Yeah. Uh, and you just kind of get over it. Um, so we get out of the bunker. We cram 30-something people into a single van. Whoa. Um, yep. Okay. Um, we, asked, we begged the driver to take two trips, and he was like, no, no, it, it'd be fine. <laughs> Silly Americans, get in the car. Get in the car. <laughs> okay. 
we drive somewhere else in the city. We wind up in a basement. Um, that'll be a motif. Basement uh, to basement. Basement. Yep. Basements are a motif. Yeah. We're in a basement right now. <laughs> we are. This is not, not this sort of basement. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Couple key differences. Yeah. The basements get worse, by the way. Um, <laughs> the basements get worse too. Yeah. So 30 guys in, um, it was the bottom of an apartment complex. Uh, and we were in the hallway. So yeah, uh, we stayed there for about two days. Everybody's trying to formulate a plan. Uh, they were trying to get a safe house. Um, in that time I started to get to know some of the people I'd work with throughout my entire time in, yeah, yeah. in Ukraine. Turns out I was one of the only Americans who knows how to drive stick. So I wound up working with some of the leaders and also everybody loves the medic. It, that makes sense. I, I've been told that. Yeah. Um, I understand why, because I was one of two medics. The other one was um, a medic who... <clears throat> <laughs> like, there's a really specific visual image I want to impart. Back up to the Georgian Legion. I yeah. was there for a couple hours. Um, so I walk around meeting people. And because there are no rifles, they're sending people to the front with no rifles or no bullets yeah. for their magazines. Um, people are training others how to use them in case they get one. And... As I'm told, yeah, we have another medic. It's him over there. And I look over and it's a man who is shorter than me. And that's impressive. Yeah. Um, teaching people how to suicide charge an AK. And it's called a suicide charge because what you do is you pick it up by the barrel and you slam the butt on the ground and it charges the weapon. Now, if you th picture that in your head, uh, the barrel, the buttstock goes between your legs and the barrel's pointed right at your face. Oh, my God. So, you know, things so can stupid. happen. It's what? It's stupid. Yeah, it's kind of dumb. <laughs> no, it, it, it's really dumb. It's a really irresponsible thing for a non-veteran to start training. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, here's how you charge an AK and make it look cool. Like, wow. sure, sure, it looks cool, but you're like, you have no actual military experience and you're teaching people who also don't have military experience. Like, Holy shit. You should not be an instructor. <laughs> so you're the favorite medic, obviously. Yeah. yeah, so like it was between me and that guy and I... Still surprised they picked me, but you know, anyways, he, that, uh, he went down to Odessa to do work there and he comes back in the story for a minute right um, <laughs> in the worst way. Oh no. The weirdest I should say. So we eventually find this new building. Um, and this is a couple days after you get there. So we're talking day three or four when we find this new building. So mid-March. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you're with Swampy and the gang now. Yep. Swampy, Swamp and, Swampy and the Brits. Yep. Yeah. Swampy and the boys go find uh, their new house. Yeah, this sounds like a sitcom title. <laughs> Everything Swampy and the boys buy a house. About the war in Ukraine so far sounds like the darkest comedy. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. It's <laughs> a good read. <laughs> there are things I made sure to text you or tell you yeah. right away so that it was it's not like hey in three months four months when we see each other <laughs> you know ah, cody's just making up random stories again <laughs> uh, there he goes talking about the crane there you guys talking about swampy and the brits whatever that is <laughs> I, had, I had always wondered how i'm gonna start this story and i really would love to start it with so there i was <laughs> doing nothing special <laughs> with swampy <laughs> Like good line. Yeah. Eventually we find a safe house. It's a really, it was like a perfect safe house, um, away from the center of the city, still close enough to be relevant and had a lot of room to expand. It was two stories. We start running operations out of there, uh, not running operations. Um, we start gathering logistics, gathering supplies. In the meantime, Swampy is also running a, um, 
He's getting donations of medical kit and we're port, uh, making out IFAX to send to the front. IFAX, an individual first aid kit. Okay. It's like a standard med kit you'd see a soldier carry. Yeah, yeah. And we're using really high quality stuff. So Swampy was able to pull some really awesome donations. Oh, yeah. There were also several other people in the house who were heads of organizations. And some of them, I'm not going to name any of them. They're the ones who were heading up the the project to, like the extraction project is what I'll call it. Yeah. And as time went on, and I say t- as time went on, like three, four days, there was definitely this little rift. Um, some of the people who were in the house really became clear to everyone else and also themselves that they were here to soldier. They wanted to fight. Yeah. Extractions sound very cool and noble, but it doesn't seem to be manifesting. You know, so everybody's getting kind of itchy feet and itchy trigger fingers, I guess. So some of them start to break off on their own. As they do, a group of them, uh, we were approached by a man called Obi-Wan, because that's what we called him. And Obi-Wan was leading this group of people, about five or six other people. They had wanted to all spread up and do their own, you know, active, aggressive military thing. Yeah, yeah. Important note that on the day that we all arrived was when Russia had sent a missile uh, to hit the uh, International Legion base in Yavariv. So that was fresh in everyone's mind, um, which is the biggest reason we didn't go there. So they basically say to me, hey, Cody, we really... We, we think you'd be great for this. We want you to be our medic. And I say, okay, with like, I'm, I have no military experience. Like yeah. they say, that doesn't matter. We'll, we'll teach you. We'll train you. You look, you look squared away. I don't know how they thought that. It means you told me about the other guy. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that, well, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, there you go. It was between me and suicide Steve. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so they invite me out there. I say, I will need say, I think it was like 48 hours to think about it. One of the other leaders of this house, one of the other leaders of the other organizations, um, really sensed the rift, sensed that this Obi-Wan character was starting to pull some people in a separate direction and gave a lot of people an ultimatum. He said, look, I'll help you get jobs elsewhere, but I'm going to ask you that if you're not going to be part of this project, that you step out. Yeah. Which, which was fair. And honestly, you know, I do respect the guy. I like the guy. I think it was a power move. I think a lot of people saw through it, but in asking for that 48 hours, um, I was separated from Obi-Wan and the gang. Later that night, the other head, uh, we'll call him the Tiger, that was half his nickname, he asked me to go down on a mission to Odessa. It leaves right in the morning. Big, big surprise because yeah. he had known I was getting itchy feet as well. I said, all right, great. What do I need? Um, the plan was to go down to Odessa in the van, meet some people, be back within 48 hours, and carry on from there. The next morning comes, I, next morning comes, I, uh, we get, we all get our stuff in the van. We leave right on time. It's a seven hour car drive. Uh, it took us about 36 hours. Damn. Um, so the van would not stop breaking down at all. Oh my God. Um, fuck cars were a major issue. Yeah. Taxes make it almost impossible to buy one. Mm. I mean, nobody knew that when we were there or when they got there, <laughs> the move is totally to buy your car in Poland and drive it over the border. Huh. I'm just a little tip for anybody else wanting to have fun. Um, <laughs> Don't go to Ukraine. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, there were huge problems with that. And the entire time I'm in contact with one of the members of the group, uh, Griff, and he's Griff and I are texting back and forth. Uh, He's basically telling me that what Obi-Wan had offered was way more than it initially sounded like they had meetings with someone in the UN building. Oh, wow. uh, Top floor. And he sent me pictures. So now you're like, crap, I'm in this broken down 
car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like, oh no. Damn. <laughs> Shit. And the, the straw that broke the camel's back was we eventually made it to Odessa. And I had like, we just passed out because it was so late at night. Yeah. We made it to Odessa. And the next morning we go for coffee. And we're on the beach and it's beautiful. <laughs> and, you know, there's refugees because it's Odessa. Like it's yeah. being missiled. And, you know, it's Ukraine. There's Odessa's war. west, but on the on the mm-hmm. coast. Exactly. exactly. On the southern coast. Um, so like that's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And Russia has complete sea dominance. Yeah, exactly. Actually, they don't. And that's just pretty interesting because Ukraine doesn't really have a navy um, <laughs> and they still can't hold the sea. But yeah, so Odessa is one of the other major port cities aside from Mariupol. So there's heavy pressure on Odessa. And these guys, I still cannot believe it. Like we, they walked past refugees, like sitting on the beach. Like, I mean, you know, the look of somebody who's just at the beach staring into the sky or just off into the distance, like thinking about whatever, how insane their life. Like we passed people like that who were just looking lost. Yeah. And then this guy turns around and says to all of us, he's like, all right, now let's moon the Russians. (laughs) And like you turn around and face the shore. Yeah. All these guys did. So you're facing all of these people wondering what the fuck is going on in this world. Yeah. I I volunteered to take the picture. Yeah. um, Because I immediately said, I'm not doing this. I'm (laughs) not having any part in it. And I'm certainly not going to ever let it be recorded. Um, I'll record it, though. uh, Yeah. (laughs) <clears throat> and I have that picture on my phone because it's just one of the most insane pictures I've ever seen of these guys. You're like 13 of them turn around, face all the refugees and just like m- look at them and then moon, moon the Russians. I don't know. Mooning the ocean. <laughs> they, they mooned the ocean and then cheered and high five. Could you and see like, any Russian ships? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> just mooning the sea. We just want to stick our butts out. Yeah. Yeah. They're, I don't know, maybe they're really just like sad. And they're like, you know what will cheer everybody up? Pull out our pants down. <laughs> you know, it works sometimes. Uh. Well, as, as I'm telling you this, I'm, I'm remembering that like this was a common theme with this guy. Uh, he loved the pictures, the PR, the everything. Right. And I do want to say he did have good intentions and he did do a lot of good stuff eventually. And his resume is very impressive before Ukraine. However... This is another example. We had a truck full of the supplies we were going to donate and honestly, like kind of like barter with, get down somewhere and say, Hey, we've got this. Do you, do you need it? Do you want it? And just to really open a conversation. Sure. Cause there were NGOs everywhere. So we'd stop at a checkpoint and any checkpoint that was giving us trouble and no, no, nobody gave us trouble. Just some people took longer to check our paperwork. Um, he would get out and give them like a helmet, but he's like, by the way, guys, Hey, you want this helmet? You know, a lot of brand new volunteers, recruits, they haven't the logistics there to really distribute items and he'd get out, but he'd get out unprompted and aggressively. <laughs> he'd just slam the door. Open. Make a big show of it. <clears throat> yeah, he would. He was, he was, he was a fucking showman. And like every time I just in the car, just looking at this man, just like what? <laughs> and at one point, um, one of the Brits looks at me at this particular time, we pulled up to a checkpoint and there were just several cars in front of us. And that was it. And he gets out and like, Number one, don't do that. There's like a lot of people around with weapons who are all very shaky. Right. A lot of these are volunteers who like might be their first day on the job. Right, right. Um, And they just see some dude getting out of his car. (laughs) And just like arms up, speaking a language they don't understand. Jesus. And uh, yeah, he didn't even learn like hello. (laughs) And at one point, like he's doing this and making this scene, trying to be nice. And he was nice, sure. But like. 
the Brit leans over to me and he's like, we need to have a serious discussion about <laughs> checkpoint etiquette. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, I can't. <laughs> so that was, that was his style. And yeah. uh, that's not my style. So about 10 minutes later, um, I that's the same guy who had the idea to, to moon. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Same guy. Yeah. Just, just reestablishing <laughs> that for those who forgot by now. Yep, and, <laughs> my goodness. And he was the group leader and uh, I didn't want to be in that group. So I found a train. T- I texted uh, Griff back and I said, I will be there tonight. I'm grabbing a train right now because they were on a tight time budget. Um, but one of them had said they're not leaving without me if I can't come. So I said, I'll be there. I got a train ticket to Odessa. No, I'm sorry. I got a train ticket to back to Lviv. And is that where Obi Wan is? Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're all and they're all waiting for me, and that's where they had the meeting at the UN building. That train ride was one of the key moments, and I believe I had spoken with you about this. Yeah, player. yeah, we talked about this. That train ride was a key moment because I was the only male on that train. Dnipro or Dnipro, yeah, spelt that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was a city uh, a couple hours west. I'm sorry, a couple hours east of Odessa. Yes, all the refugees coming in from there. Yeah, yeah. So I was the only male on that train and just getting anywhere between curious and dirty looks from all the women. Right. And it was women of all ages. Yeah. And trains packed. And that would be so surreal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is people wearing, you know, like I'm one of the first ones on the train. I've got some stuff. And you could pass for Eastern European. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a short white dude with brown hair. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just some guy. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually one of them says something to me, and it wasn't rude or aggressive. I think it might have been the um, the stewardess asking if I wanted something. Sure. Um, and they all find out that I'm not from Ukraine at this point. Right. At which point, a lot of them start to tell me their story. And it was a lot, I'll say. Yeah. The general theme of it was that uh, they are all fleeing their homes, and they have no idea what's happened to any of their stuff. They just know that. One day life was normal and the next day um, everything was bombed and people were dying. Uh, Dnipro was the center of a lot of fighting for a while. Yeah. It was never, I don't believe Russians were ever actually in the city, but I know, uh, you know, the Russian tactic of artillery. Um, And it's pretty fucking indiscriminate. So, uh, and then I have a 12 year old girl tell me that she understands that when she gets to Poland, which is where they're all going, that she understands she may have to prostitute herself. Jesus Christ. To help her family get by. And, but she doesn't say that like she's sad about it. Like she understands that it's going to be hard and the worst, but she just says it like nodding her head and like, I'm going to do what I have to do to support my family. My God. Jesus fucking Christ. So before that, my purpose in Ukraine was really to act as a medic. And I had made a, a leap, a gamble, I suppose that, uh, I would be able to do good work with these Brits and Obi-Wan. After that exchange on the train ride, I still was there for humanitarian reasons, yeah. but my views on what humanitarian were, were a little shifted in that, yes, I could help treat these people or others who were injured, but if I can help people, if I can help others kill the people who would do this in the future and keep them safe to prevent this, then I should do that because prevention is the best medicine. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine that. I mean, if I'm angry hearing about it secondhand. I'm full of fucking rage. I can't imagine what it's like to hear that firsthand. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's weird, you know, especially with the broken English, like that made it so much more 
you know, where, where are you going? West Poland? And just like nods her head. Yeah. And, and then, and then just like an empty, sad shrug. Yeah. Um, because you don't know where you're going. Yeah. There is no, there's no real destination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just one foot in front of the other. Just mm-hmm. trying to make it to the next day. <clears throat> For fucking nonsense reasons. Mm-hmm. I will say that all stories from Ukrainian refugees um, that I've spoken with have been really good. Excuse me. Uh, Europe is doing great. Hell yeah. To take care of people. Um, I know several that don't want to go back to Ukraine um, um, because Barcelona is just lovely. Barcelona. Don't you love it when people pronounce it? Barcelona. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like how that fairy book was written. Yeah. <laughs> You're on the train. Yep. You're going to. So basically I get off the train energized because these, these people are. Yeah. Uh, you're bloodthirsty now. Yeah. They're fucking you're, fighters. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I absolutely am. Or I was going to say was, but I feel like I still am. I'm still coming down, cooling off from all this. And I get off the train and it's super late at night. We have to wait in the train station, but I get meet, met with by two of the people in the group and just the biggest, the biggest hugs ever. And you know, I felt, I felt real cool at that point. They're like, yeah, we knew you'd come through. It's <laughs> like, you did? I didn't. Um, no, that must be really nice. You know, someone's looking forward to seeing you in this completely foreign landscape where you uh, don't know anyone or anything. And here's, you know, here's some familiarity and comfort. Here's two dudes whose names I, I wasn't certain of. Right. It, when I see them like wrapped in sleeping bags on the concrete, um, constantly being harassed by the police because they had uh, Molly, the military style packs. Um and they get up and see me and they just lose their mind. And they're like, no way. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow. Okay. You guys must really need a medic. What are yeah. we going to do? I've, I've spent some time on the sleeping on the street with Molly too. <laughs> <laughs> Here, brother. Um, so we get in a van the next day or we meet up at the UN building uh, the next day. We all pile in a van. I meet a colonel who everyone else had met at the UN building. Um, a colonel in the SBU. The SBU is similar to the CIA. It's an intelligence agency. Yeah. The Ukrainian intelligence agency Mm -hmm. deals with foreign intelligence. I believe it's domestic. Okay. So FBI. Yeah. Yeah. That would make the most sense. Just want to say right now, like it's not a parallel. Right. Nothing in Ukraine is, uh, if you're from anywhere West of Ukraine, but yeah, think FBI. It's highly regionalized. And Obi-Wan had known a colonel in the SBU. Explore that in a little bit too. Anyways, this guy's name was Igor, and he's one of the most terrifying people I've ever met, and he was all smiles all the time. <laughs> that is um, scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We once said, uh, because he had a beautiful revolver. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say he had a beautiful smile. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, was, he was like my height. I'm about 5'7". Getting kind of paunch. He had a paunch. Um, bald head, spit shined, and always smiling. I think he had a couple like metal teeth in that terrifying like... Soviet style. Yeah. Um, he was brought up as the Soviet Union with them. Right. Just keep in mind, the country of Ukraine is 31 years old. It's um, younger than me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, you're old. I'm 32. Fuck you. It's all right. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, to explain why this man was just horrif- terrifying. Um, yeah. We once asked him about his pistol and said, you know, Colonel, that's a beautiful pistol. Like, and he's like, oh, thank you. And he loves it. And, you know, he loves showing it off. And honestly, I get it. It's a, it was, um, 
a Mosin pistol, a uh, five-shot revolver. Oh, word. Piece of art made yeah. in World War II, 42 or 43. Hell yeah. And then he goes and says, yeah, so you know why I choose revolver, right? And I'm like, no. And he goes, because when you shoot someone, the casing doesn't fall out and they can't find you. Roger that, Colonel. <clears throat> Never thought of that before. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did you say he was bald or balding? He was bald as bald as shit. Okay. That is scarier. Mm-hmm. That is much scarier. And he's and he's all smiles and he loves us and we loved him. But like he's just one of those guys, like you look at him like, oh buddy, there are basements full of bodies. Jesus. And probably <laughs> another basement full of fingertips. Oh my god. Yeah, they're just yeah, and like that's just a remember vibe. what part of the country we're at, or what part of the world we're in. Yeah, it's, it's like some of these people uh, are just like, oh, are you? Did you just walk out of a Bond film? <laughs> and like, kind of, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Igor. <laughs> yep. So he, so he escorts us. Um, we arrive in a building where we're kind of put in holding. It's a military building, and he goes to sleep face down. And this is, I just need to say this because it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. You know, like I, <clears throat> I sleep on my belly. I know I'm scum for it, but I sleep on my belly. <laughs> it's a personal problem. I, I don't I understand. do too. What the fuck? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. With my leg lifted up. Yeah. You know what's up? The number four? What yeah. the yeah. fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> it's just so how I do it. You're going to suffocate some night. I know. Awesome. Bad for my neck. Yeah. Oh, it's the worst. It's so bad. Out of your um, fucking mind. So yeah, yeah, right though. But if you're gonna sleep on your belly, you sleep in a number no, just, four. Yeah, right. But he is slept, he just a plank? Yeah. Oh, just yeah. Wait, but like face down too. And there's like it's a, he rolls out a sleeping mat and goes ah, take a nap. How else and just, would you sleep on your belly? With the leg up. What do you mean the leg up? <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you mean? What, do you, what the fuck are you talking about? With the leg up. Oh, you lay down and you lift the leg up and you sleep like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really? This is that big for you? <laughs> I just ha- I just demonstrated it for the listeners. <laughs> That's that? No, I just didn't. I thought like... Take your like, time. Have have your moment. Take your like, sleep like... On your knees or something like what? I don't fucking know what you do. (laughs) (laughs) Sleep in my back like a fucking patriot. Sometimes my mom sleeps on her back with her knees up. (laughs) That's just just (laughs) fucked. (laughs) That one really amazes me. What an interesting pillow. Yeah. All right. Um, Anyway, (laughs) Igor's just planking though. So I want to backtrack about twelve hours. There were some other people that they had met. Uh, that had been met and that were coming up with us. One of them, there were three of them. Uh, Doc, who was a medic, who he was, a, he was a former army medic. So he's some asshole named Doc. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He looks so American. <laughs> and there were not many good Americans that I met. No. <clears throat> no. I'm not that surprised. Honestly, um, I was immediately suspicious of anybody I met who just said they were an American. Interesting. Brits were far and away pretty squared away. Brits hate Russians. Or rather, England hates Russia. No. Hmm? I have no I have no I've never got any of that. I mean, well, it's a whole like the great game thing. Like there's a like England and Russia have fought for a long time. Hmm. Well, none of them were there because of that. Mostly they just wanted to kill. Uh, well, they love that too. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they do. So some other guy who's like in his fifties, um, 
was a recently retired firefighter and a former helicopter something. Not pilot, though. He just got divorced and he was like, fuck it, I'll go over. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, my introduction to why he was there was, shut up, don't ask too many questions, he's bankrolling us. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. so, so that that so was like, a rough divorce for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, yes. He'll never love again, so he doesn't care. <laughs> Throw all of his money at this. It's him, and that's what I was told. And as soon as they told me that, I was like, oh, I'll shut my mouth, absolutely. Yeah. And then some other guy from Denmark, I believe, who was a helicopter linesman, I think. So the first night, everything's closed because there's a curfew. It was 6 o'clock at that time. Um, So we sleep in an auto parts shop because somebody knows somebody and just, hey, can we stay at your place? Sure. The police come in because because it was in the main strip and somebody saw a bus full of people with military kit and gear get out and hurry into a shop. Yeah, yeah. Of course. like It's going to cause some suspicion. <laughs> yeah. Totally reasonable. Totally right. understandable. Yeah. And what are y'all doing out here? Mm-hmm. So, long story short, they're there. The police come and they're there for like an hour and a half, two hours. And it's, it wasn't comfortable, but like it was totally fine. Yeah. Um, it's very Eastern European. So, you know, just it was it very much a, uh, a machismo game, a little bit of that, a little bit of power play. People want to, you know, so use dicks bigger than who's and that's how a lot of it was. And yeah, then, that's the whole thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Kind of the whole thing. This is the entire thing. <laughs> it's just everyone forgets the balls. Yeah. Shame. <laughs> um, so the next day, right? The next day we see these guys the three others and they're just like packing up their shit. And it's really funny because we had relentlessly made fun of the helicopter pilot mechanic um, because he was so scared when the police were there. The one from Denmark? No, he didn't say much because he's, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, So, but we had made fun of the helicopter mechanic. Really, like really mean. Like he went to grab a candy and (laughs) one of the guys, Griff was like, are you sure about that, fat man? Oh. And like the guy was like, respect your elders? And we're like, oh man, just playing. Um, so they were basically they were just not nice to him. Yeah, yeah. They just really didn't respect him, and frankly, neither did I. Um, so with the next day, they're all packing their stuff up, don't say a single word, and then leave. So like that comment about the candy really hurt my feelings. I'm going home. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. He, he had also gotten into an argument with someone about um a helicopter being able to outrun a javelin missile. <laughs> and he got into it with a javelin missile operator. So, I mean, I'm an idiot. Even I know a helicopter's not outrunning a javelin missile. Yeah. He probably so, should have gone home. Yeah. It, oh, he totally should have. <laughs> and he was one of those people who you look at, and even so far from the action, it's to look at them and say, why are you here? Yeah, what, what yeah. are you doing here? That was a big thing. Uh, and it's one of the reasons I keep mentioning I will keep mentioning and did mention to everyone there, like, I'm not former military. Right. I love that I'm here. I love that you have me here. But I just want to be upfront. Like, I'm not former military. So if you are uncomfortable with me doing any of this stuff, please let me know. But this guy had no real skills. Um, him, the Dane, and Doc Rotate. We call him Doc Rotate because he always said rotate. Him, the Dane, and Doc Rotate left the next morning, and it was really funny. Then we just go over to the military base the colonel sleeps on the ground like a psycho, listening to propaganda face, face radio. Down? Yes, face down, yeah. like a plank, just a plank, like a like a demon. 
I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know, some sort of eldritch slug. <laughs> so, yeah, he's doing that, listening to propaganda radio, full blast. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, lunch was served, and we were all scared to wake him up, so we drew straws. We go to wake him up. Hey, Colonel. And his face just shoots up. He goes, yes? He's been awake for half an hour. He's, he's been listening to everything. <laughs> he's just, no, I go back to sleep. <laughs> Roger that, Colonel. <laughs> so we meet a guy who becomes our translator. He was a wonderful human being. And just to kind of kick the next little bit off fairly quickly. Um, this is what, like April, early April? This is mid-April. Eight days in. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so things things really do have a tendency to move, you know, yeah. sine wave very fast and then just slow out. Yeah. Um, and so that was a lot of fast movement. Then it was very slow. The premise of what they were doing was standing up a new army unit um, that was going to be a Ukrainian unit that was all foreigners as opposed to the International Legion. Um, so Ukraine is all paperwork yeah. um, and it's all stamps. And it took a long time. Some of the members left. Um, while we were there, they put us in a hotel. It was the most amazing hotel I've ever stayed in. <laughs> is that like old Soviet uh, no. opulence or like... No, no, no. It was like a, like you would love to stay there from the outside. Yeah. Um, it's get like 10 foot high. Um, what do you call it? Like Lincoln log fence. Yeah. Around yeah. the whole thing. It's like 200 meters across by like 400 meters wide fencing off this area. There's all log cabins inside. They're all beautiful. Oh, wow. Yep. Looks gorgeous. We walk around the place. There are swans. They attack us. The toilets just like sometimes didn't work. The oh. bathrooms, like if you sat on the toilet which did not have toilet seats. Um, if you sat on the toilet and turned the shower on, you would just take a shower. And honestly, I'm kind of down with that. Shower and shit all at once. However, Efficiency. the drain was on the highest part of the floor. What? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So none of the water ever drained. Um. What? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm. Okay. Um, <laughs> Who designed this? It's a real artist. Yeah. Um, there was just... Thinking outside the box there. There was very clearly cum everywhere. <laughs> and uh, about a week into our stay, um, the toilets, when you flush them, it just came up through the showers. So that was the shit hotel. That's what we called it. They it's Beautiful, but full of poop. Yep. They moved us somewhere else to a different hotel. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry. At that point, they... Let me back up a tiny little bit. All right. <clears throat> so that was the shit hotel. During our stay there, Obi-Wan had brought on a new member. And by this point, we had started to kind of question Obi-Wan a little bit, mm. which is fine. You should you should always question your leaders. Yeah. Take note, question your leadership. Mm -hmm. Good leader is always comfortable with it. Um, he was very uncomfortable with it. Uh, mm -hmm. He never lied to us. I'll give him that. <clears throat> he also never really told us much. And he was positioning himself to be the leader of this of the unit and so the question was from several combat vets of the question was what's what's your resume like what did you do we know you were in the military we think you were special operations what did you do um he was very uncomfortable by that and he put on this bit like he's the sort of person who made everyone around him think he's worked for three letter agencies yeah, um, yeah i do that bit <clears throat> yeah Surprise, uh, he was worked at like some tech company. Best Buy. 
<laughs> Basically, he part was, of the fucking geek squad. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he was. He was, and he was fucking paranoid about everything. Obi Wan um, was. Yeah, Obi Wan, who was like in my memory, like a six two fucking giant with a long, like very long beard and a ponytail. Yeah, he's like, you guys can't go outside. I'm yeah. Basically, after 6 p.m., you guys can't go outside. And during the entire day, you guys can't leave the compound. They'll know you're Americans. I can, though. I have to buy groceries. What does everyone want? It's like, my man, you are six feet tall, the only dude with long hair here. You are the only six foot tall man here. Right. Not um, very inconspicuous. Yeah. There's a little bit of tension building. Um, then we bring on a new member, Calm Crop. And yes, within 24 hours of Crop arriving, Obi-Wan decides to leave. Because Crop just wouldn't let it go that uh, Obi-Wan was not comfortable sharing his his secrets. Wow, he just came and blew up the spot. Yep. Good for you, Crop. <clears throat> yep. So we kind of fell in love with him. He also tamed the swans, which were, you know, attacking us all the time. Do anything um, about the shit? No. Got us, helped us move. So, yeah, Crop got rid of Obi-Wan. And then a day or two later, we all signed papers and were members of the army in Ukraine. Wow. Yep. In the meantime, by the way, they had had us train people on the range. Yep. Um, I was not part of that. I did go to the range to have fun. Like any red-blooded American, I love guns. Um, I Too didn't, soon. I didn't vote for Trump. <laughs> Just want to say I didn't vote for Trump. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm comfortable and familiar with guns. And it was fun to work with actual military you know, military guys yeah, who yeah. Were training me properly. And that was the Brits because the Ukrainians had no idea what they were doing. And it was... Honestly, we had to show them that they could adjust the sights on their rifles. Um, Jesus. I was giving medical lessons to, I was doing it all day, about hour long class and everything in the IFAC, how to use it, what it's for. And if I got repeat classes, you know, you teach them higher level stuff. Um, and then we're in the army and that's where things get interesting. Here's where things get interesting. How did it feel to officially become a member of, of the Ukrainian army? Well, not only that, um, <laughs> Not only was I a member of the Ukrainian army, I was a member of a special operations battalion, which just basically checked a, a childhood dream box. Yeah, look yeah. at you. Look um, at you. <laughs> I remember I had a really funny conversation with my mom about it. Um, I was like, hey, mom, you know how I always wanted to be a special operations medic, right? <laughs> She's like, yes, Jesus Christ, Cody. <laughs> and I was like, well, I kind of did a thing. Anyways, I'm in the army now. I got to go. <laughs> um <laughs> God bless my mother. Well, I mean, you should say that, like, the reason you weren't ex-military is because you fucked up your collarbone. Yeah. 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 So I got a contract. Uh, yeah, I got a contract for the branch I'd wanted. And about two weeks before I was going to ship out, I shattered my collarbone um, wrestling a one-armed man. I'm glad you said it because I was going to. Yep. <laughs> yep. That was here in, in America long before the, oh, yeah. this happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He's listening. He better be. <laughs> Love you, buddy. <laughs> so I had, and I had spent- He wrecked years. you, though, with one arm? Yo, he fucked my shit up, dude. No, he's dude, a freight he... train. Yeah. Back, yeah, back yeah. me up on this, Sequoia. Back me up. Oh, yeah. No, he'll fuck you up. <laughs> okay. I Tim, believe you. Tim will fuck you up. Yeah. <laughs> he's one of the most terrifying people I've ever met. Yeah, you're lucky yeah, yeah. he only has one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> God's handicap. <laughs> Be too powerful with both. Dude, you just grab you, you just grab you by the hair and rub that nub in you. Yeah. The leverage on the nub. <clears throat> you underestimate the nub. So this is where it gets interesting, huh? Yep. So this is where it gets interesting. Um 
<coughs> it wasn't before. No. Yeah. Uh, was, what's the what time? What time is this date? Between March tenth <coughs> and March fifteenth. Uh, I'm sorry. We signed up for the military on March seventh. Wait, you left on the tenth. Do you mean May seventh? May. Yeah, you have to. April April seventh. Okay. So we signed up for the military. <laughs> yep. So we signed up for the military on April seventh, um, and then over the next. 10 days, uh, we start to meet more of the people here, more of the people there, because we're living on the base. And um, where, what location are you in? Like, what? General area of the country. <clears throat> um, in between Kiev and Lviv. Okay. So that's mid... Midwest. Yeah, Midwest of the country. Yeah. Cool. Um, so we are on a base, and we start to meet all the people in this battalion. A man such as Samurai which is what everyone called him. It's the only thing anyone ever actually called him. Um, and that was really interesting. We thought he was just some crazy dude who always wore a beret and wore a kitchen sink on his fucking chest rig. He's one of those guys who just has it so filled out. He just has tons of shit on him. Gear. Yeah, prepared for everything. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's just prepared for everything. God, you know. Prepared. Imagine yeah. like, you know, when you're in one of these scenarios, you're like, God, I hope I get a cool nickname. You know, which is honestly like really far down on your list of concerns, oh, but you no, know, you it's pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> you, you want a cool nickname and then you get something real stupid, you know, just the pain. <laughs> I know that I would end up with something real dumb. That would be just my luck. Something real fucking stupid. I don't know if I agree about that. <laughs> so, so over the next 10 days, we meet everybody in the battalion. Everybody that's relevant to the story. Yep. Um, the biggest one is Samurai. Another one is Igor Lopin. And there was this combat guy we were looking for the whole time. Anyways, they told us that we were going to Donbass. Oh, good. We kept wanting to ship out. Um, we said, when are we getting our weapons? Uh, they gave us our weapons. And one of our guys in there, uh, we'll call him Big Ben, uh, he was big. Uh, so they gave him an MG42 as his personal weapon. Still one of the most badass things I've ever seen. He was You're so big, happy. So you get the special weapon. Oh my god! It was <laughs> it's so a big perfect. fucking gun. Yeah. Yeah. I will. Do you got to be a big man to wield it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> you do. You really do need to be like it, it's a squad weapon. Yeah. Um. So they give us our weapons and we fall in love with it, and then they get us in a room and they say, "Okay, we know you guys want to ship out, go get some action or whatever. We're going to Donbass." We go. Okay. For those of y'all who don't pay attention, you can also think of Donbass as the shit. That's where the shit is. Yep. Um, but Donbass is also a region. Right. Um, and it's not an oblast, which is what they would call like states. Uh, right, right. Donbass is just a region. It comprises of several uh, oblasts. Um, and it is part of the area that Russia invaded in 2014, the first Udon. Um so they inform us we're going there, and we don't really have any idea beyond that. Um, come to the day before the trip, we have a debrief. Um, at this point, I want to just say that we still think Samurai is a quartermaster um, until this debrief. Quartermaster being a guy who gets stuff. Yeah, yeah. We would say, Samurai, we need this. Yeah. And he'd get a drone. <laughs> and he's like, that good? Yeah. <laughs> Can you get thermals? Gets us thermals. Right on. That good? Like, yeah, that's awesome. Because <laughs> we had positioned ourselves. We wanted to be a recce team, a reconnaissance. Yeah. Um, 
because uh, several of the members of the team had uh, training in that. So we have the debrief. We're going to the Donbass. We're going to this area. We're doing this. We're going to stop 20 miles short of the front, get in an APC, armored personnel carrier, and then drive to the front. And then we'll be there. Surprise. Uh, you go, okay, cool. So at this point, I realized Samurai's kind of kind of in command because he's a sergeant and he's bossing colonels around. Um, so okay. that's weird. Yeah. Um, and then there's this other dude, Igor Lopin, who looks like Stewie Griffin. Oh. Um, oh. And I encourage everybody to Google his name in Cyrillic, uh, but we'll get to that. Okay. So those are the two, those are the two big players. As we're getting ready to leave two, three days before we leave, um, a bunch of foreigners start showing up and we're working with them as well. Um, we're kind of over it because we're leaving for the fucking Donbass in a couple days. Um, we pile onto this bus or we pile, we put a bunch of shit onto a school bus. <clears throat> and when I say it, I mean, we put a bunch of shit onto a school bus. So the school bus was skewed, um, like off balance. Oh, like um, tilted. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then this guy, Sasha, who just lived to be yelled at. Um, Did was, he like it? <laughs> no. <laughs> he was just oh. some poor electrician who Samurai just took out all his frustration on. You could you could say something Samurai didn't like and he'd look at you and nod and be like, okay. And then he'd turn to Sasha and just start screaming. Yeah. And Sasha was like, oh, okay. Meanwhile, Sasha could tear the man apart limb from limb with his bare hands. <laughs> Um, Sasha drives the bus. I still liked it. Yeah. Sasha drives the bus. Um, quickly becomes apparent. Sasha doesn't really know how to drive. <laughs> oh, no. I'm, no. Dr- I'm driving a truck that says orcs must die on the side of it. Holy shit. Which was why we asked if we're going right to the front with these vehicles. Right. Um, and, uh, three of the big drums of gasoline in the back. Right. That are just kind of like. Just, just chilling. Strapped down. I guess. Hell Yeah. Yeah, smoking cigarettes. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think every car had three cartons of cigarettes in it, and uh, I stole a lot of Red Bulls um, from the base. So excellent. Yeah. Uh, we stop. Over Gives the- you wings, I hear. Mm, yeah. Need them. <laughs> so we stop in uh, Dnipro overnight. We stop in Dnipro overnight. At which point, Samurai says the trip takes forever because Sasha can't drive. He keeps almost crashing the bus or getting it stuck. Um, Jesus Christ. And we stop in Dnipro. Samurai gets all of us out. He says, men, I'm on, you know, the reason for this trip right now is not for you. I know you wanted to come. The reason is because I have secret documents that we need to deliver to the front. Holy shit. And he shows us a binder and he's like, I'm serious. And I'm going there tonight <laughs> on my own. I need, I need someone to come with me. And Griff and uh, Big Ben they immediately, they're just like, yeah, I'm in. I mean, I wanted to go too. Yeah. But like these guys have relevant experience. Um, but you realized why he was able to get you the tech, the gear you needed. Yeah. In that moment. Yeah, it I just imagine. like made sense. And yeah. like, he just seemed like a guy who knew everyone and just knew how to make things happen. And mm-hmm. like, that's really what you need. So they drive, they escort these secret documents all the way. And we're in Nipro, uh, just <laughs> in some hotel or something. Um, the air raid siren goes off at 5 a.m. It's one tone and it doesn't go up and down like most air raid sirens and we're Ooh. a block away from it. It is the most insane thing I've ever been part of in my life was just that air raid siren after hour six. Does, is it just constant? Yeah. It doesn't 
like beep on it was constant off. oh yeah. my god yeah I, I have a recording of it and like in me talking over it inside i had to i had to put my ear protection on and it was still a lot oh god um so we eventually leave we meet up with the guys in donbass and there's no armored personnel carriers we're not at the front i'm not going to say right where we are where we were we're, right. we're relatively close and uh we get there we help unload the bus we look at all the people around us and we go okay you guys are like farmers who like were farmers yesterday yeah um and we driving through like they look they look like the people in in the donetsk oblast who were just farmers who when we drove through would come out of their houses and just stare at us yeah yeah angrily blankly I don't know, but these are people who every 30 years survive a nightmare. Right. Um, right. And we're going through to be part of another nightmare. And these were like those people. So we get there. We are still under the impression that we're going to be a recce squad. Yep. So we start making plans. We say, all right, we need to go to the area where we're operating. You know, I said, great. We'll do, we can do that tomorrow. We unload our room. Or we unload uh, all the ammo and extra weapons or all the ammo and rockets. And they're all stored in our room. And it was just one of the, that was one of the coolest feelings of my entire life was sleeping in a room with like nine various RPGs, um, several thousand rounds of different types of ammunition and just us like, that was cool. That was super cool. Oh yeah. And like boxes of grenades. I wouldn't have been able to sleep. Why not? They would blow up. <laughs> I'd be scared of it blowing up. Was just, you would never know. I don't Yeah. Either you'd be scared or you'd I, feel the safest you've ever felt. I'd be terrified. Yeah. <laughs> Here is a picture. I. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the picture is of just all of our weapons stacked up in the room with a flag behind it. Again, one of the coolest feelings of my entire life. <laughs> um, basically, so the next day we get to the hill. And it's a very interesting day because we get to a hill. We get to the hill. The only hill in how far? I hear you wonder. It's the horizon, the only hill yeah. on the horizon. We are less than 100 miles away from all of the largest fighting currently going on. Yeah, um, like this is, this part of the world is flat and empty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't hide behind trees. Yeah. 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 And if you're on top of a hill, you're the visible thing. Yep. So we get to the hill. Um, and I don't know if anybody knows what Live UA map is, but it's something that's uh, I believe open source updates for yeah. things going on in certain regions. And we would check that all the time about, Hey, what's been hit, you know, yeah. it's much easier than checking the news. And I could open that website and stand on the hill and just see the smoke in the distance. If I had binoculars and just say, Oh, that's that, that's that strike. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Holy shit. Um, but it really, it was like 40, 50 miles away. So it wasn't, right. it wasn't like that close. Um, so we're up on the hill. We're told that our job is to defend the MSR, which is main supply route. And the hill, this road on the hill goes right to the horizon. We're to defend that road. And, you know, the enemy's going to roll up with tanks and everything. But, okay, so what are our, what is our weapon range? Okay, sure. And what are the range of our weapons? Yeah. Um, so this is a far ways off from, like, being a paramedic. At this point. Oh, yeah. I forgot, like, I forgot like about this, that. This yeah. is really far from that <laughs> right now. Well so, well, so the groups, the groups questions, you know, the, the guys get up there and they're asking about the range of the weaponry. And I'm taking note of all the ways to evac people. Uh-huh. Yeah. And hey, can we, is there a place here that we can either dig out or build something for a field hospital? Yeah. Um, okay. Does anybody here have, no, nope. Okay. It's just me. 
um, and one ER doctor who's back at the base. Great. But she does, you know, so I'm very likely going to be put in a transportation situation, which I'm very comfortable in. Um, yeah. All so these other assholes driving cars, like you're a good driver. I've seen you drive. Mm-hmm. Well, so, <laughs> so, uh, Griff was also a personal security driver. So eventually he and I planned that that's what we would do after a slight falling out with Samurai. <clears throat> oh, is he the, that, uh, he's that one. Okay. Yep. Um, and Igor Lapin's the other one. Oh, oh, Samurai's the picture guy. Yeah. Igor Lapin's the other. Yep. Gotcha. So as all this is happening, um, as our, as we come to find out that our weaponry has a range of 500 meters and a 50 cal that doesn't work and the enemy can see us 40 kilometers away and hit us at their leisure. Um, <sighs> we start to say, Hey, let's go do the recce thing. Cause like, this is yeah. fine. But like we set up ambushes, like, please, for the love of God, like show us a map because we hadn't seen a map either. Jesus Christ. Eventually they, they let in, they humor us, which is totally the tone. They, one night they make a big scene of showing us this map and it's just a map. And it was also the secret document that had to be delivered. It was a map? It was a map. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Are you sure you were in Ukraine and you weren't just like, are you sure you're not just sleeping with Molly on the sidewalk now? That was such a common refrain. Like there were just so many moments of like, man, like what? Like, is this Like, real? am I just high as fuck? Yeah, no. <laughs> am I in a dream right now? Yep. Yeah, that sounds like a dream. Like the secret documents are a fucking map. Yeah, it's a map. Uh, All right. Yeah. I believe, I don't want to misspeak on uh, the ratio the map was, but it, it was a eight foot map. Um, either way, much of the stuff that- It's like a big map. Yeah, as, well, and what they were using it for, you could literally have used Google Maps for. So then it makes it feel like it wasn't even about the map. It was about the... It might not have been about the It was map. about the transportation of the secret document. That was, that was the, the map. That was that, the, that, that, I know. That I know, but, but like, it, it, wasn't wasn't? A, it wasn't about what was in it. It was about... I don't know. Maybe there was another... No, man, she just fucked up. They didn't <laughs> need a map. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah. That's just so right. weird. Yeah. It's fucking <laughs> terrifying. Shit. So... It was this whole big production to show us this fucking map. And then they show it to us for five minutes and then say, so what are your plans? And every single plan that we made, they were like, no, you can't do that. It's stupid. And they're like, you get, you sit on the hill. That's what you do. It's like, you told us we could be reconnaissance. Why do you, why do you get us fucking thermals and a drone and then throw a tantrum and we're like, let's go just forward, Yeah, you know, defend the bridge. Okay, we can rig it with explosives with people who know how to do that. So things are coming to a head because we were also told no trenches, absolutely not. And lo and behold, there's trenches up there. The Ukrainians up there, um, bless their cotton socks, have no idea what's going on. They're all terrified and understandably so, their leadership is garbage. But they also have no weapon discipline, for example, uh, NDing, negligent discharge, you know, accidentally firing your weapon uh, near someone's head. Uh, that was common. They were there. They volunteered and they showed up and they were there and they were ready and they were scared. And that's, you know, willing to move past that fear. Yeah. And I cannot say enough good things about that, but they had no training. Right. And they were the people we were supposed to die next to. And we were actually told your job here is not to do reconnaissance. Your job is to die next to these people. It will make them brave. What Um, the fuck? Yeah. So this was around the same time. You know, there were a lot of arguments, uh, believe it or not. Um, samurai around this time, uh, is when, <laughs> uh, we were doing some patrol together, um, because I, I got along with everyone and they would send me to be the diplomat Yeah, yeah. and samurai says, okay, up here. 
you know, and he's mentioned gesturing to the hill. He said, this is where we're going to dig all your graves. Ben's grave here. You know, we got Big Ben's grave here. We got Griff's grave. We got Reggie's grave. Right. And about like. They have to make a big hole for Big Ben. I just like. About 15 seconds in, I'm like, trenches. He means trenches. But it was the, f- I, like, I didn't correct him because it was the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. Because also, I forgot, this hill is on one of the largest gas mains in, in Ukraine. Oh my fucking God. Um, so every time, anytime we fired a weapon, uh, they would lose their mind because it would hit grass and they would catch on fire. And like, they just thought it would blow up the line. So uh, that also was there. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Who's running this shit show? We'll get to him. <laughs> We're going to get to him. Um, but so he was, he, mm-hmm. he was mistranslating trenches to graves. So he was telling everybody where he was digging the graves. He meant the trenches to keep him safe. Yeah. That's not what he said. Yep. And it was just, that, that, was, that was such a pure moment of joy when he was saying that. Yeah. And then I, I was up at the hill and like some of the positions he made weren't that bad. And <laughs> You know, when we met the rest of the guys, I'm like, the samurai, show, Gr- show Griff, you know, what you showed me. And he's like, Griff, come here, come here. He's all excited. He's like, this is your grave. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, big, that's your grave. You're like, and then die here. for all of us, for anybody that gets hit, for Cody, I'll make a big grave. Oh my gosh. It's like, ah, oh, it, it was, it was pure bliss because we were all definitely going to die. Um, <laughs> so anyways. You didn't though. Yeah, around this is also the same time and place where people were. Were you prepared to die? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I guess you would have to be. So, like, to to make that risk. I was prepared for the fact that I would that I could die when I went over there. Yeah. Um, The mental state I was in, like, I was still hesitant about dying. That's such a weird (laughs) thing to say. Um, At this point, I was still, you know, I was considering my options. I was a little bummed out about dying. At this point. Yeah. Uh, in the like, future, oh, this, this so. is kind of, this would be a sucky way to go. Yeah. Well, also, and it was the people you're with. Cause like, this is also around the same time that I had noticed Samurai kept mentioning Nazi stuff. Like, hey, I'm not a Nazi, but check this out. Uh, oh, <laughs> if, if you have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It ain't uh, looking so good. Yeah. Yeah. And then Samurai posted a picture of our location on Facebook. Uh, and Instagram. Jesus Christ. With Sir. several landmarks, like very visible and notable landmarks. Holy shit. And I just checked before this. It's still up there. <laughs> um, and like we made sure it was a thing to everyone. Wow. What the fuck? Yeah. Because believe it or not, we stopped working with him. Yeah. yeah. Three of us decide to leave. There are five. Yeah. Three of us decide to leave. The fourth says, I'll go if the other one goes, but I'm not going to leave him alone. Um, And the other one didn't want to go. I think he was going through some stuff. I'm not going to speak on that. I'm not going to speak on his behalf. Sure, sure. But he was just very, he was very comfortable dying there. Um, And I was, the rest of us, we had all said, we're not scared to die. But but like not here with these people. Yeah. The fourth guy who said he would leave if Reg had left, um, Reg is the guy who stayed. He basically said, in like one of the single bravest things I've ever seen. Cause it's that cool, calm, calculated bravery. Uh, he was like, you know, we told him we're like crap, like, you know, it's going to happen. Right. And he said, yeah, I know, but I'm not going to let him die alone. <laughs> and we just saw like the, the rest of us, um, just kind of like, uh, 
fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So I say I have a come to Jesus moment that night and I say I can't leave Reg without a medic because I'm the only medical trained person. Yeah, yeah. The other one's a doctor, but pre-hospital medicine is different and he's my boy. Yeah. And so I talk to Samurai the next day and I say, Samurai, and I I come up with this whole plan about evac routes and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Griff is with me and he's like, yeah, I was driver. Like we can do this. I'll stay with you and we can be medics because like I was also trained on medical stuff. Like we can do that. And just keep everybody alive to the best of our ability. The next day I speak with Samurai about it. And also uh, Big Ben is there and he agrees. So we would all stay. The next day I speak to Samurai about it. And Samurai, I say, Samurai, you know, I would like to, you know, stay here. You know, instead of leaving, like we're gonna, I'd like to stay here and work in the hospital, but also do medical evac when this place becomes kinetic. And he called me a pussy college boy. And that's one of the funniest fucking things. It's like, you, you, you pussy, pussy college boy. What the fuck? It's like, you want to, you, what? You want soldier or no soldier? Pussy college boy. I'm not a soldier, man. Yeah. It was, it was just like the sheer of like, it's like medevac in a kinetic, in like yeah. a hot zone. And it's just like, pussy college boy. I'm like, Sam, what the fuck else are you going to call? What, yeah. What? You going to get Sasha to drive you? Like, No. I saw Sasha hit, almost hit another truck and three inches away from him. It was Sasha, what happened to you? Oh, I fell asleep. <laughs> Sasha, that's that's the only other driver here. So he calls me a pussy college boy. And then and then his English runs out and he gets, he says, don't worry, and gets Google Translate out and says, you can live your life of comfort. It, like in oh, the yeah. hospital. Oh yeah, this is so comfortable. It, dog, right now. dog, it's two miles away from the position, and I'm gonna be on the position. <laughs> it's just like, okay, sure. At this, I didn't say anything back. I was because we were in a truck, and I was like, what? okay. Um, so that infuriates everybody again, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, but I'm still like, if Reg is staying, then I'm not gonna leave because he's my boy, and now we're good friends, and I'm not gonna leave him. <sighs> Wow. Around so later that day, we stole the colonel's car for a laugh. <laughs> kind of a hey, let's show him what we can do. So we piled all our weapons and then all of our rock. Well, at first we had to find a car, right? <laughs> so we just go on the base and look for a car that has the keys left in it. And there's one. It's actually all of them. Time uh, for a joy ride. Yeah. So we find the car we like. And then some guy comes over who was also named Sasha, and he goes, "I I, I drive. I'm driver. Like I." You need to go somewhere. I'll, I'll be the driver. That's my job because he was the colonel's driver and we just were trying to steal a colonel's car. So he's like, awesome. Love it. Yeah. Pile all our weapons into the car. One of us goes, hmm. And our plan at this point was to push the front, whatever the fuck that meant, and just go see what we could see. Yeah. They checked in with me. They were like, hey, Cody, do you want to do you want to do this? Like, are you cool with this? Because that was always the gut check guy. Yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah. That's awesome. Let's go. So we get in, we have a think and we're like, no, no. That's stupid. We can't, <laughs> we can't bring the rockets. So we take the rockets out and then we go, Sasha, we're ready to go. And he goes, okay, where? We go, the front uh-huh. hill. Hmm. You know, you know, go. go. Okay. So he drives there on the way. There's a checkpoint. And so we roll up, this window rolls down. Sasha just looks at us like, I don't, I don't know fucking password. Like, this is you the guys password. I'm just going, uh, uh-huh. where are you going? Uh, uh-huh. What? What are you going to do? Uh. <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> I'm just like, cool, I fucking love Ukraine. <laughs> uh, fucking love it. What the hell? Anyways, right. on the way there, I make the I make the pitch because of course I do. I'm this guy. I'm like, we should stop in and just tell someone. Because the colonel wasn't there. Yeah, because you stole his car. Yeah, we just, it would basically just be like, because they, they weren't answering their phones. We're like, we're just, we're doing stuff. Bye. As we're pulled over and two dudes are doing that, the colonel comes up behind us. That becomes a thing. He followed you? Yeah, he figured it out pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, somebody may have mentioned that, like, hmm, why is the armory in your car now? What the f- And where are they going again? What the hell is wrong with you? So- me? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, trying to have fun, dude. All right. Um, at, yeah. So at this point, the only thing I care about is the guys I'm with. Yeah. And the fact that I'm their medic. Yeah, yeah. Just to be real about that. Yeah, um, no, for sure. Because the whole thing was just fucking retarded. Yeah. Uh, and there's so much I'm leaving out, too. Yeah, 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 of course. You've told me some of the <clears throat> stuff you've left out. Yeah. yeah, and that's only for time. Yeah. The colonel comes up behind us. He starts to try to yell at us. Crop gets out, goes back to the, goes over to the colonel and goes, I know you don't understand English. You will fucking understand this. Blah, 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 blah. Suka, suka, blah. <laughs> goes on that for a minute or two. The colonel looks at him like, okay, okay, I understand. And then goes and starts screaming at the driver. Because this is also a theme that we found out was that if you just yell back, <laughs> they don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And I, I think that's a relic of the Soviets where like, well, I'll just, just kill gonna... you. I'll just kill you if you don't do what I say. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to do what I say. So anyways, the rest of the command comes to us and it's a thing. We're not allowed to steal the colonel's car. Whatever. Yeah. Right then and there they go. Who's who's staying and who's leaving? We need to know right now. Crop and Reg say we're staying. The rest of us say we're fucking out of here. Yeah. Fuck you guys. We try to do something good. <laughs> and I got called and a now, pussy college boy. Yeah, and I got so called I'm a pussy out. college boy. So fuck you. Um, and the colonel says, great. Honestly, I understand. I, like, I do. Um, and we'll arrange transport somehow. Um, then he turns to the other two and say, okay, so the news is going to be here in like 10 minutes. So like, you know, have something to say cause they're your news agency. Um, you know, just uh, don't mention this. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm willing to bet that a lot of Americans who are listening have seen this broadcast. Um, crop and red for in it. Um, again, just Google Igor Lapin. Um, he had a news crew follow him the whole time. <laughs> so we get back to base. I have the, I somehow have the idea. I'm wondering who Samurai is. That's how it is. I'm wondering who Samurai is. Yeah. And Igor Lapin's not pulling up much, except I know he's a politician. Okay. Okay. Why isn't it pulling up much? Like politicians have stuff written about. Right. Them. Yeah. And then just clicks. It's Cyrillic alphabet. Yeah. Google Igor Lapin and Cyrillic. And Wow. So, long story short, this entire battalion, uh, the head of it, uh, Samurai, Igor Lapin, and many of the other players were uh, members of the ADAR battalion um, that in 2014 was so out of control that the federal government in Kiev had to come in and shut them down by force. Holy shit. Um, Amnesty International opened an investigation on them, um, and I believe it's still open um, just because nothing came of it. Um after reading their accusations, the head of the ADAR battalion made the response to them, a formal response, that this is not Europe. This is Ukraine, and we do things a little differently here. For example, if I just don't like you, I can have you taken away and put in a basement for up to 30 days with a bag over your head if you want. What the fuck? Also, they're neo-Nazis. Ah. 
Also, um, reading more about the stories and accusations from people, uh, there was one guy um, who they found. Basically, the battalion, uh, during a firefight, abandoned one of their guys. He got trapped in a town, uh, strapped a grenade to his vest, so that when they opened his vest to take it off, um, he would kill people. And he did. He killed a lot of people, and that's a legitimately very heroic thing. Read that and was like, wow, that's super interesting because Samurai taught us how to do that in fucking class. Wow. He goes, wow, yeah, so this guy is hero. And it turns out Samurai is the one who abandoned him. Jeez, um, fuck. And, you know, it's like, oh, I know that's him because because they taught, told me how to do that. Like, that grounds this. Anyways, the guy who they did the interview with for this article uh, was later found stabbed to death by a car, which is understandable. Um, a car as in not a, not a car. No, he so so his cause of death was being hit by a car and run over, but his body had like 17 stab wounds. Oh, my. <laughs> oh. Which, like, the news article is just like, cause of death was a car. Also... Isn't it interesting? You had like all these stab wounds. Mm. Holy shit. Just a coincidence. So basically that's what finally convinces the rest of them or, you know, Reg to be like, oh shit, I'm not going to do this for neo-Nazis. Yeah. So we all get back to the base and the command comes to us and says, all right, so you're all leaving. How the fuck do you plan to leave? And we go, what? What? You're asking us how we plan to get from Donbass to... Literally anywhere, because, like, we can't steal a car again. You've made that clear. <laughs> Luckily, uh, Griff had... Griff, who's just, like, a 6'2", charming Brit. Um, he's from uh, West England, or Wales. Um, <laughs> he's been trying to hit on this Ukrainian girl forever, and she was a member of the battalion. She's a press girl, and she was coming by the next day. So we all pile, pile into her van. Hell yeah. Um, and we get the fuck out of there. Before we did that, though, we spent a day or so drawing Stars of David everywhere, <laughs> uh, writing all the names of the people that died in a in an attack and a, a, a thing that uh, Igor Lapin personally fucked up and caused a lot of people to die th- through friendly fire. We wrote all their names Jesus. in Cyrillic everywhere. This didn't, you know, leave the best impression. Um and then, like, our trip got delayed a little bit. So we were like, oh, we got to sit in this. Um, and Whoa. then the last thing one of us says, one of them says to us, because they're all, a lot of them were cordial with us. Yeah. A lot of them were just like, look, I'm here to do my job. You fucking Americans, you Westerners, you don't get how it works here. Like, but I'm going to do my job to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. I really applaud that. One of them says to us, see you in the next life. Jesus. And that trips all of us. We're like, is that a thing you say? Is that a thing you say here? Because like, because like, mm-hmm. like if the roles were reversed, it would be so easy and I would just have these dudes killed. So 20 minutes in the drive in the middle of nowhere, we round a bend and there's 30 police fuck. out of their cars. What the fuck? And then we had all smuggled grenades out. What the uh, hell are you doing? <laughs> well, some of them were for us and some of them were for if we needed them because we had to give our rifles back. Yeah. So like. So you take some grenades. Yeah. Well, the grenades that we were going to take anyways, after the guy said that, we we're like, all right, let's just all have one. Yeah. Can't hurt. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Well, pocket protector. So we're all like Griff and I are in the same car together and our word was pineapple. And we were so just keyed up at this. We're like, oh my God. <laughs> just like ready and like. Jesus. I, oh yeah. It was awesome. Anyways, it, it's, it was nothing. It was just the cops hanging out, not doing anything. <laughs> oh, they were just hanging out. Yeah, I mean, A cab was spray painted everywhere. 
in the shit. whole country. Yeah, dude. Wow, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just really funny the first time I saw it and was every other time. So the cops are doing nothing, whatever. Yeah, we make it back. And sometime on the drive, we all say to ourselves, wow, that was a crazy week. Well, were we out there like five days? And it turns out we were out there for like two and a half weeks. Oh, wow. None of us thought it was more than five days. We all thought it was about four or four or five what days. Fuck? Just because of how, I mean, I lost about 20 pounds. Yeah. Um, I talked to you a couple times during that. Yeah. We, that yeah, was weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And that was just like, you know, the stress and yeah. everything. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. yeah and I don't want to pretend like it wasn't stressful or I, I never feel comfortable saying the word scary, but it, it was. Yeah. Yeah. No shit. Um, well, there are certain things that are very scary. Like, like when the first time I was on a patrol. Yeah. That was, that was scary. The overall stress of being out there was just like, it was just stress. Yeah. Everything yeah, was yeah. stress. So we get back and by this point there is a man there. I'm going to call him, I'm going to call him Candy. Candy. By this point, there's a man named Candy with a group of people who all speak Russian, but not English. And a large number of Finns who have left the Legion because the Legion is horrible. Okay. The International Legion? Yeah. Okay. Candy is an active duty officer who saved, who had, who believed in the cause and was in Ukraine before teaching kids, basically had saved up enough leave from his time in his military that he said, you know, look, I'm doing this. Or rather he was here and had his girlfriend deliver a letter that said, look, I'm doing this. Yeah. Yeah. He had the support of his uh, officers and he's finding out in the next couple of days if he still has a job because he's just returned. But because he was active duty and a lot of people were following him, he had basically like a list of things because also he knew Ukraine. And the three requirements were you needed competent leadership or, or not grossly incompetent right. leadership. You know, yeah. He would do things such as put us in the position we were in. Right. And then refuse to do things as let us move forward and make good defenses. No Nazi. You can't be a Nazi. No Nazis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, none of that. No, no Nazis. I like it. Um, and adequate supplies and equipment. Yeah, also good. There were, at which point, you know, we had a debrief the day we got back. Around this time, I had come to realize that all those weapons, that was the armory. We were sleeping in the armory. Mm. That was for everybody there. Every, just everybody had their own AKs that they always had on them. It's just we had all the ammo mm. in our room, and we thought it was cool, so they let us think that. <laughs> Same with all the rockets. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they were definitely fucking Nazis. Oh, and I'm sorry. I didn't see a single helmet when I was out there either. <laughs> Because you'd asked about equipment. I'm like, everybody had rifles, cleaning kits and all the rifles. Like there was oil, like, honestly, the equipment was. And then he just mentioned something about helmets. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't see a single fucking helmet. <laughs> my goodness. So, yeah, they uh, Candy looked like he was going to cry because he had just left Kiev where a similar thing had happened. And then before that, he was in Legion where one of the top commanders there was just grossly incompetent. So from there, we follow Candy. Always follow the candy. Mm-hmm. All right. Can I rip that? Yeah. But we're moving on to the parts that are more sense where I did good work with good people. Good. And I don't want them to come under any sort of scrutiny. Yeah. Sure. So and we're going to be much more vague about this yeah. stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, also going to leave that <clears> in for the audience. I'm such a fucking slut for water. So we get back. There's a new officer who's a lieutenant directly in charge of us. And then a new colonel who's Colonel Sanders, we call him. Um, and they're just charmers. Um, Better than the last guys. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take much. 
I mean, I mean, look, samurai killed a lot of people, a lot yeah. of Russians. And so did Igor Lapin. And I'll be, I'll be honest too about, here's the other thing is people talk about these, these, um, militias, right? They're mm-hmm. the only reason Ukraine is still a country. Um, they're the only reason Ukraine was able to defend itself, <laughs> you know? So they played a huge part and that's really important to understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Briefly, uh, uh, me and you were talking about this the other night where, mm-hmm. uh, a lot like in the early stages of the war, it was all people heard about over here. Um, you know, it was, it was the news cycle, right? Are you? And then it uh, fades out. But and like one of the things I realized from talking to you and stuff is that like, oh, in that early, the early stages of the war, that was the ghost of Kiev era. Mm-hmm. And then shit gets dirty. Shit gets ugly. <clears throat> it gets what people don't want to fucking hear about mm-hmm. from all sides. War isn't. It, it isn't what the propaganda says it is, no matter what era, where there's, there's a lot of badness in every, every human, no matter what side of invisible lines they uh, happen to be on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I have, and I have no frame of reference. Right. For what it looks like or looked like on this side. I'm honestly, I haven't really spoken with people about the war, asking their opinions. There right. are people I've spoken with are curious about my experience. Yeah. Uh, I do also, while we're here and I'm mentioning the ADAR battalion, I do want to mention the other one that people ask about. The Azov battalion. Yep. Yeah. Well, I was going to say like a lot of shit I saw was, uh, you know, especially like online and stuff. It's, it's either people dying on the hill of the Azovs aren't Nazis or it's they're Nazis. And that's why we shouldn't care about the entirety of the country. Right. It, it's that just that extreme black and white, <clears throat> black and white binary fucking thinking yep. that people get into, especially on the Internet. So here's what I'll say. I want to. So the word Nazi in Ukrainian means nation. Right. So a toast Slava Nazi or an expression <laughs> Slava Nazi means glory to the nation. Yeah. Whether or not there's a wink and a nod. Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. I saw a lot of Nazi is I saw a lot of Nazi adjacent iconography. Yeah. Uh, and let's keep with things that everybody knows about the Azov Battalion. Their their sticker, their what is it? Their logo is a I believe slightly modified um, SS logo. Yeah. Their salute stops just short of a Nazi salute. Sure. It's a hand on the chest. Yeah, yeah. They're also the only unit I have seen in the entire country that is multicultural and multigendered for its fighters. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Outside of the Azov Battalion, I did not run into a single female fighter. I ran into several, many. <clears throat> and uh, in the Azov Battalion, I ran into several. Um, I did not see a single Asian person except in Azov. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it, I got the vibe that despite all the politics, if you were there to fight, they were there to help you fight. Yeah, yeah. And that's very understandable. Um, sure. Beyond that, I, I honestly don't know. Right. Um, it's such a large issue that it's somewhat hard to speak about. It's yeah. It's impossible. because I don't. I don't want to act as if I don't want people listening to think I have any sort of authority or I'm. Yeah. No. None of us do. Yeah. None of us do. Not at all. Nice. We're just talking about our personal yeah. experience. We're yeah. idiots in a basement. One of us just happened to be in Ukraine for a few months. This is such a nice basement. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, that's what I got to say about the militias. And then we started talking about. Uh, all the craziness we saw and they kept telling us to shut up. Also, you're not allowed to leave the base. So we just started hopping the fence and we taught all the other Westerners to do that too. Um, eventually they kicked us out. Um, <laughs> so we, uh, we also said we we're going to quit and uh, paperwork took forever. 
Yeah. So we caused such a stink. And this short little officer who's just a mouse of a human had to deal with us. And it was really funny to watch him try to navigate that. <clears throat> you know, they tried, we got drunk. They tried to punish us and say, you're soldiers. Why are you drinking? And one of them said, one of us said back, it's like, well, it's encouraged in our armies. Yeah, because we're it's, soldiers. Yeah, <laughs> it helps bonding. And looked at his boss who thought was going to, you know, say, you know, well, fuck you. And yeah. You're still going to jail. And his boss was like, oh, sounds like a good idea, actually. Yeah, I can do <laughs> <laughs> But that's also where I ran into that circular logic of that, like, just Soviet ideology of just yeah. circular arguments. You know, hey, you posted the picture on Instagram. Hey, shouldn't have done that. Well, the hill got attacked a couple days, like a couple days ago. Yeah, it's crazy. So he posted sensitive information on Instagram. Yeah, he did that. Well, he's an officer. Well, yeah, we wouldn't have officers that do things irresponsible, that do irresponsible things. And just like to have that argument with a person, it's just one of the craziest things I've ever been part of. Wow. Anyways, they kicked us out. Okay. Uh, They said we would get you hotels and transport. Just come downstairs. We went downstairs. It was all the shit. (laughs) And they said, get the fuck out. <laughs> and we were like, oh, and no, we weren't. We, yeah, we caused a scene there too. It was awesome. Um, they don't like us. <laughs> they really don't like us. They kicked us out on the street. Um, and I'm not mad about it because those two Americans that everybody's seen on the news that were captured were from that battalion. I know them. So that's, that's that unit. Um, from there we follow. Cam- so it's a good thing you weren't part of that. Yeah. 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 Um, So from there, uh, Candy has been making strides to do something meaningful. Yeah. And it was his last endeavor uh, before he just kind of packed it and went home. Yeah. yeah. His work bears fruit in Kiev. We go up there. There's some other foreign volunteers there. And they have been running operations pretty constantly in Kharkiv. Um, We spend about three or four days in Kiev. And at this point, we've been working together for about uh, three to four weeks. My yeah, yeah. Um, and all of us, we're a full-size platoon now. Uh, we operate fairly well. So in Kiev, there's the Russian speakers. They're divided up between them and the uh, Westerners. But these guys are in an operational lull because they just lost some command. They'd done pretty significant fighting, like close-in fighting. Um, and they're on R&R, basically. So we're bored for about a week or so before we're just like, all right, just please fucking send us to Kharkiv so we can, I don't know, have fun. Like, because it sucks here. <laughs> So they send us to Kharkiv and that's where I spent the second half of my trip. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not quite certain how much I'm comfortable saying. I know what I can say. Yeah. You don't, you don't. In terms of comfort levels, um, I worked with the special operations department. It was a newly formed unit of people from the territorial defense that was grabbed. So I was not, I did work with CORD, uh, but I was not like operating with them um, or the alpha group or any people like that. We worked alongside those people. But we were not that, and I'm not going to say we were, even though we fall under the same umbrella. Sure. So we are in a basement in Kharkiv, and there's shelling every night in the city. The city's a ghost town. And we start to actually do real meaningful things up north. Kharkiv is 25 miles from Russia. Yep. It is on the drive north from Kharkiv. The way, the only way I can describe it is that fucking the reality just drips off the wall. The further you, further north you go. I ran a lot of medevac. Uh, I trained people. I sh- helped people set up medevac chains. Yep. Um, showed them what they would need to make ambulances, scratch ambulances, basically like a van. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's here's really what you guys need. Um, 
worked with the rest of my team. There's about 25, 30 of us there um, between Americans or between foreigners and Ukrainians. So we spent, I spent a significant amount of time as a medical response worker, which was at this point I had fully come to say, I don't want to work in an ambulance. And then, yeah, yeah. Which is funny because I came there to do that. Yeah, yeah. Started to not want to do it. And then I finally, finally there's an ambulance here. So that was fun. They would, didn't really have an idea of like how to use a QRF element. QRF meaning quick reaction force. So if things go wrong and you need to get bailed out or a casualty gets taken and you need to get them out, you call Mm -hmm. them. They would station us um, basically along this main road in an area that had aerial cover. But it only had aerial cover. So, and this was obviously for fear of drones. Yeah. So a drone looking above couldn't see anything. However, any other angle, you could see us. Ooh. And anybody passing by, and like there were civilians driving along this road. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we got MLRS, uh, multi-launch rocket system. Yep. Like 100, 150 yards away from us Jeez. while we were sleeping in the ambulance. And like, we didn't think it was for us. Uh, the Russians just don't, they're just not accurate. They, they just send yeah. that shit. They just basically say, okay, that grid square, like there's five dudes in there. Let's just obliterate that grid square. Fucking A. So we're trying to take a nap in the ambulance and like that happens. It's like, oh, fuck. And we just get outside to watch it. Uh, Griff saw the fins on one of them, which is fucking awesome. He's like, huh, I saw the fins. Like, cool. But then like, like the traffic going towards Russia. Yeah. North, just like it doesn't even slow down. It's what? not it's not jam packed, but like there's cars just still driving. This and, is uh, yeah. a fucking yeah. And this dream. is on the road. You're to like David yeah. Lynch movie. What is this, dude? It gets so much better later that day. Like we go to drive back, <laughs> and you know, just on the road, like fifty yards ahead of us, like or a hundred yards maybe, more rockets just explode right there. What the fuck? And we're just like we're just like fuck. And we start to turn around. And they're like, no, we got to go check, make sure they're all set, so they're fine. You know, we get back home. Yeah, like that that was that was pretty standard for what we yeah. would do. Hang out and maybe get rocketed, maybe not, maybe take care of some casualties, maybe not. The level of cooperation among the Ukrainian units at the front was very it was a nice idea. Russia, I mean when Russia installed that new general, what they were doing was putting a singular person in charge. And yeah. That's what I think would help in the Ukrainian front. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but that's not really how that Soviet system was designed. Now, you know, some other experiences that I can share and I am being purposely vague just to keep the people yeah. I worked with safe, um, to keep their confidence and secrecy. But I got a couple little tidbits I can talk about. So there were a couple of larger operations that we took part in, I will say. Again, many of us had different skill sets. We had people uh, with a sniper, sharpshooter background, um, reconnaissance background, anti-tank weaponry, combat engineers. And we were good at working together well. We communicated amongst ourselves very well. And we had, except for me, had formal military training. So it was an asset. So there was, you know, an, in an area north of the city, they, things are kinetic. That's where the front is. And so I was QRF medical response. You know, I was the 911 for an area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I argued that because my friends were involved in this operation, that I need to be closer. Because like, look, like at a certain point, you know, what's the travel time from our old station to get a casualty? That's an hour. Yeah. And you get them back is another hour. Yeah, yeah. So at that point, I'm just a hearse. And that's not acceptable. So they get us as close as we can to the front. And again, I don't speak Ukrainian. None of us do, so we're trying our best to, to get this. Yeah, uh, yeah. We had a Russian speaker. That was it. And not all Ukrainians spoke Russian. So they bring us to this town, and, like, there's just artillery fucking everywhere. Like, in the distance, I'll say, like, 
five kilometers. Yeah, yeah. Which is a good distance for like a QRF. Yeah. Or at least it was given these circumstances. So there's this garage that we pull into and it's, it's, it's just so funny to me. So we pull into the garage, we back in and the car doesn't fit all the way. And so it's like, don't worry. We thought of this. So they, cause they had stored vehicles there before. Yeah. They draped, there's a big, large flag that they just put over the front. And <laughs> this is like the hood of a car sticking out. Right? That's exactly no what it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was, um, that was the, I think the second operation the group had ever done. And the first operation, uh, they got it all, like we, we got it all in a day. We got grads, MLRS, mortars, wow. uh, large artillery and incendiary. <laughs> so we started calling one of the guys, uh, Gradley. Mm. Um, cause he was just the, the fucking magnet for it. You know, we're hanging out in this garage, just like having fun, uh, mostly napping, honestly, catching up on sleep. And then, you know, there's just mortars in the distance. And then for the first time in my life, I remember just hearing it just being like, like the physical reaction, your body doesn't know what to do yet, but also just the recognition of like, Oh, it does sound like that. Cool. As you're just like, and now it's exploding. So that was mortars within like uh, 50 meters, 100 meters. Kill radius is, I forget the kill radius on the 180s they were using, but it was within that. There were walls and shit keeping us safe. Yeah, yeah. So by this point, we had found a little dugout because it was a garage. People need to get underneath the car. There's a dog in there. I don't, I don't know how he could have survived. He's like, didn't good. Yeah. Hell yeah. He was a fine dog. He got some water. We gave him some of our water, some of our food. And he's like, all right, I'll see you guys. An hour later, he came back with a lady dog and just tried to fuck her. And honestly, <laughs> nice. I respect that. Oh, yeah. I respect that so much. Dude lived in a fucking car dugout for a month. I don't know. You got him feeling fresh and fine and brand new. He's just like, hey, what's up, guys? I'm here to fuck. <laughs> so, yeah, we get fucking mortared all day. Every time I have to go outside for a piss, you hear drones overhead. And, or, and if you did hear a drone, just immediately like... Fuck, I gotta piss quick. Jesus. Because then you just fucking run back inside. Yeah. And then just come in and you're like, shunk, fuck. So that was fun. Yeah. Uh, obviously, like PTS symptoms, post traumatic stress symptoms from that. You know, I'll, I've mentioned to you, like, hey, I don't First, like drones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it comes from that and many other similar experiences. Um, same, you know, but that, that's the other thing with like doors and fireworks. Sure. Like, I was supposed to come on back for the fourth and I was like, you know what? That might not be a good call. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but while we're in this garage, like suddenly like some dude just shows up out of nowhere with like tea and he comes in to hang out. I'm like, what the fuck? He's a military dude, by the way. I know him. None of this is real. None of this is real. And then like three more dudes show up and we're just hanging out eating sunflower seeds. Fuck you. And they're looking at <laughs> and they're looking at me like I'm the crazy one because I don't spit the shells out. Yeah, it's kind of just good fiber. Just, yeah. yeah, like and they just looked at me and they're like, You're weird. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, fuck you guys. I love you. <laughs> so and they leave. And then, like, two more trucks pull into this area. And I'm like, man, what the fuck? Like, this is, the garage was full. And they're like, no, no, it's fine. I'm like, hmm? And I just look over at the truck, and I was like, oh, I forgot. And he grabs the cam netting. And no, that's not really how cam netting works when there's no trees, like, a, in a kilometer. Right. He just pulls cam netting over a truck, and it's like, now it's a truck with cam netting. Right. Yeah. It's, and, yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, it's like the whole thing, and there's like, you know, 12, 13 people there, and Brian and I, oh, I'm sorry, um, there's like 12 or 13 people and Bravo and I, who's the other medic and just my, one of my favorite human beings ever, we're quite similar and it's scary. Um, he had worked with this unit 
for the past several months. We met him there and he'd been to Afghanistan before. And we're just sitting there being like, man, what the fuck? (laughs) And then all the Ukrainians get out, like, we're getting ready to leave. And we're like, all right, cool. We get in the ambulance. And then like, they all start running back in, but they run past us. We, Brian just looks at me. He's like, hey, say psych, man. What? Like, what? Say psych, please. What the fuck? <laughs> and then just like, no, cause like we thought, you know, oh shit. Like there's a drone right there. Like we're all going to get taken out. Yeah. And he just ran past us. I don't know what it was or why, but they, like a minute later, we're like, okay, we leave now. What the fuck? Um, so shit like that was was pretty common. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just par for the course. Just yeah. strange experience. That was awesome. <laughs> then we, you know, we do things like go on patrols, um, clearance patrols, demining areas, getting yeah. weapons caches, going in the forested area, staying in there, you know, manning positions there. Yep. Mm, yeah. Helping set up like medevac routes for everything. Yeah. Um, do, doing my best to make myself heard. You know, I hope they retained some of that. I don't sure. know if they did. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, at a certain point, we were on the front in a wooded area. And I have to say, like, we lived in a basement for yeah. two and a half months. Yeah, yeah. Two-hour blocks where four people could go out. Or, I'm sorry, hour block where someone could go out. Yeah. No, it was two-hour two blocks where four people could leave. That was all the time out we got until, like, they got a little more safe and secure about it. So, like, we were, like, I, I say that because, not because, like, what was me? Like, it's fine. It's honestly sure, fine. Yeah. But because we were so ready to do literally anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, fuck that basement. I do not give a single shit. Yeah, so you only got two hours out of it a day? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And not everybody could get out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. So so And we were only eating buckwheat. God damn it. And yeah. Um, But yeah, it got to the point where we were in the woods for a couple days. And like, eventually we'd, we'd. all right, one of our commanders was, he, he just said, all right, we're going to go do something. They gave, they gave me, you know, they gave an inch and I'm going to take a mile. So we're going to go across the river. And we did some fun stuff over there. But, you know, I, I remember seeing it, like it decided who's going to be the point man, you know, into what could be, what could have been certain death. And they did it by rocks, paper, scissor. And I remember just being jealous. Jesus Christ. Fuck. I want to go with them. No, I want to get out of this fucking basement. No, no, no. That wasn't that wasn't the oh. basement. This was this was we were all in the woods at this point. And oh, okay. Us, like went forward. He just wanted to do the dangerous shit. Yeah, yeah I was like, I'll, I'll go, you guys. This seems fun. So we did, we did a lot of stuff up in Kharkiv, um, and you know, I, I kind of gave a vibe for what's going on. Yeah. A uh, couple experiences which were, I don't want to say negative because at the time they were honestly the greatest experiences of my life. But like, there's one that stands out. I believe I called you when it was done or I said, I'm ready to come home. Yeah. Just because it was a negative, very negative, a very negative experience in a basement um, of just like, you know, hanging out there all night Yeah. Uh, with like artillery going off and you can't yeah, tell yeah. the sound of like how far away it is when you're, when you're in a basement and just in the morning, just seeing like every single house around us was hit. Jeez. Like, literally every house that we could see taking a direct hit. Just being like, what? holy shit. What the fuck? That was awesome. But that was when I was like, I, sh- I should, I just need like a vacation. Um, and if I wasn't getting ready to leave, I would have probably just taken like three or four days off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because at that point, the nightly attacks in the city, like the artillery, like that would just wake me up and I can just, you know, they usually did it later at night, right as I was falling asleep. So, yeah. But yeah, the reason I bring that up is not to say like, wow, feel bad for me. It's really, it's really to emphasize that like to go on about like PTS and mental health, which is a huge 
thing, you know, there's a mental health crisis in the country. Of course. And I do try to be very open about it and the stresses and make, you know, if anybody's feeling, if anybody for whatever reason has negative experiences, any sort of PTS, PTSD, you know, definitely reach out for help. There's counseling and options available. Lord knows I'm going to get whatever job has health insurance so I can go back to my therapist. But I do feel like we did a lot of good there. Hell yeah. Um, not in, you know, I didn't, I didn't shoot anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, no, no, no crazy action movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I definitely, you know, there were joint operations that went on where I was asked to be the medic if things went wrong. Uh, so I feel like I really gave people a sense that, you know, if things did go bad, that I would be there. And I'd like to think that I gave some people the confidence to do a little bit more, um, or at least myself and Bravo yeah. working as the medics. Um, and during that time, I saw the city come alive in a way that inspired me to just stay there or made me say, we're doing good because the city was empty when we got there. Right. And if you go to Kharkiv right now, it, parts of it seem like a modern city full with a no normal shit. amount of people. And this is 25 miles away from Russia. Yeah. Yeah. And it's being actively hit with artillery pieces. Jesus. Yeah. It's just, that was one of the craziest things I've seen. Was yeah. like, I turned a corner trying to find this clothing shop and like, I just had to stop in my tracks and say, this city has come alive in front of me. So yeah. Uh, I, the, the normalcy. Yeah. I was, was going to say, is, it's amazing to just like see people living their lives while all of this and to just live your life while all of that goes on around you. Yeah. I mean, the Ukrainians are some of the hardest fucking people I've ever met. Um, yeah, you gotta be. I did not meet a single Ukrainian who wanted to leave. Maybe maybe it's because they had already left, but... Um, yeah, yeah. Honestly, and I'm certain they're out there, but that was my experience. Um, they love their country, and it's got a rough history. And yeah. they're tough fucking people. Yeah. Fucking A. So... I want to know, what were you not prepared for? So I'm going to draw back to what we discussed earlier about being... Prepared to die, was that how you said it? Yeah. When we got to Kharkiv, the unit I was with, three of the guys had, I had been with since the beginning, like since day one. A fourth was Krop, who was there. There's not a single thing I wouldn't have done for them. And so, and we're going to start on the micro and go up, but like if they were going to go somewhere, I was going to be there to make sure no matter what happened, they would get out yeah. as safe as possible, if it was possible. Um, on top of that, I mean, the shortest answer is like, here's where I became very prepared to die. That may be the wrong way to put it, but say it just accepted death as a, as a, as a fact. Yeah. Like, and there was a moment uh, that I haven't talked about and I'm going to keep it vague where, um, some of my friends were in trouble and we had, we decided to act and get the information we needed, um, and we weren't able to use the rollout with the number of people that we wanted to. So it was myself and two others going to find some people. And there was just this moment of like, between all of us, um, this is our first time in this area too. This moment of just like, okay. And you just like, and it, it happened simultaneously because we hit this area where like, if they want to kill us, but before we got to this one area on the path, we're like, yeah, if they're here, we might all fucking die, but like, well, this will be a great fight. You know, we have a significant amount of firepower. And then we get to this area and we just look at it and then look at each other at the same time and then just shrug because it's the greatest ambush spot you could possibly imagine. And 
you know, just like, oh, okay, keep walking. You know, so things like that is just, that's the difference between like being prepared to die and just like saying it doesn't quite, I don't want to say it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, every time you get in the car, there's an increased risk Mm -hmm. of death. You know, there's a chance that your life will be taken from you at, at any point, but to have it be so in your face is what's different. But it, it is true that, you know, the inevitability of uh, of your own mortality is ever present, no matter really if you're in a war zone or or if you're driving down the highway. That's the place where it's not hidden. It's just kind of it's understood in the front of the the front of the experience mm-hmm. yeah. versus in a car like no one thinks about that. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> the the fairly constant artillery helped prep like all of us it definitely helped prep myself for that yeah um especially like close artillery on me with drones overhead um there's a certain point like well in a hole it's either gonna hit me or it's not right there's the cone there's a cone of shrapnel you'll get a concussion but like the shrapnel's what yeah. will likely kill you beyond a certain range um but you know at, at that point you're just like ah whatever maybe it will maybe it won't not really much I can do. Yeah, so it's out just, of like, your control. Yeah. It's that it's that scene, um the scene in Fight Club that I really love. It's when Brad Pitt is talking to Edward Norton, Edward Norton's character. So Edward Norton's talking to Edward Norton. Yeah. yeah. And Brad Pitt, he's got him in the car and they're talking about things they wish they had done with their life. And we had had a similar discussion, you know, just like casually as friends. But that's not the point that I that's important. It's what he says after that. And he says you need to have the power to let that which truly does not matter slide. You know, to let that which you cannot control slide. And there's certain things you just can't control. And I'm here for reasons that I want, that I believe in. Right. From, 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 from soup to nuts. And I'll be honest, I did not think about democracy or any of that when I was over there. Yeah. Um, it was, at this point, it was just all my dudes and this is what we were doing. Right. Maybe it should have borne a little bit more thought, but also this is something I wanted to do since, since the earliest I can remember. Yeah. Um, Big picture was a good cause. So, you know, I was fine with that. Um, yeah. I mean, th- and that's another key point is like from childhood, I had wanted to do these things. Well, I think that that's a, a probably good place to talk about the tarot. And- I was literally just thinking about how appropriate the six of wands is for yeah for that. It is, I mean, it is. Because it is fulfillment, you know. Victory. It's uh, it's it's Tifereth, which is the first. Um, it's the mirror of Kether of the light of the godhead in the material way it's the way it's it's the it's the sphere of like the higher self some people call it like the, the christ consciousness or whatever it is tifereth and wands of course fire is action and you know a burning passion for life essentially it is the it's it's the it's the grid of the soul it's right the, the totality of your being and when when that, we think of, of the perceptible being the the numbers too like five yeah whenever you pull a five that's, so always a, it's a challenge. It's a great challenge. Yeah. And but now we we've, we've pulled a six. We've we've you know. Six is the sphere associated with the heart. Yeah. And wands is the suit associated with drive. Right. The drive of of the heart. You know. And I wanted to talk to you, Cody, because mm-hmm. you did always want to do that. Yeah. It's what you were trying to do. Yeah. And and you fucking did it. You fucking did it. it very quickly once you decided to. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I had a lot of stuff going on in my life. <laughs> it's one of the easiest get out of jail cards I've ever had. 
Meanwhile, back at the swamp. Yep. We uh, <laughs> we held it down, though. You did a good job. I held it down. We're here. Okay. We're thriving. <laughs> I cannot thank you enough for that. Uh, of course. Helping make this possible. <laughs> of course. Um, I got your back. <laughs> the thing I think, one of the things I don't think I was prepared for, because I knew that, you know, the, the acceptance of death in a very real and in your face way is something that you just simply would have to experience. Like you either would or you wouldn't, and you'd either stay or you'd leave after that. Yeah. Was how much I loved it. Really, truly, and deeply. With every single part of my being, I fucking loved it. And that's also something I know a lot of veterans have felt. Yeah. And it's something that is really frowned upon to say. But I did. I really, honest to God, loved it. At like every, every shitty fucking day. Every time I had to stand in the fucking mud and just like sleep in the rainy mud and get shelled and wonder if <laughs> is it gonna, next one going to be for us. You know, four friends in a basement, five, five friends in a basement. Well, I think, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, you're good. You're good. But um, what, when you look back at like some of those awful things and you're like, that's awesome. It's like, you know, what's awesome about it is that you survive. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what makes it so fucking awesome is that how much more can you appreciate life now? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that's what's really, I think something why I, I would understand someone saying I loved it because it your, brought, your appreciation for life must be a lot greater now. It brought such a sense of clarity to my life. Um, clarity, like single-minded clarity and purpose. Yeah. Um, a reason for everything. Um, everything was simple, you know, everything was deconstructed to its simplest element and adrenaline is a hell of a drug. Be honest about that too. That's true. Um, I did not, have any significant experiences of close personal loss while I was over there. Right. That may definitely, you know, have to have tainted it. Of course, um, yeah. You know, and it may in the future if I go back. Yeah. Um, but that is how, you know, those, those experiences were truly fun. And meaningful, it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like one of the craziest things was just five of us in a basement, you know, just being like, huh, that was close. Yeah, whatever. It's been a good one. And then yeah. just like, everybody's kind of just saying a similar thing. And just like, anyways, I don't want to die in this corner. <laughs> just right. get up and go to another corner <laughs> and just be like 10 minutes, you're cool there. And then just be like, all right, this corner isn't so hot anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, hey, man, thanks for coming on and, yeah. and telling that story. Absolutely. I, I very much appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, I appreciate you. And, you know, it. You, you're right. It's not, it's a little taboo to say you enjoy it, but like, it's not my way, but I accept it and I understand mm -hmm. it too. Mm -hmm. Like. Fucking okay. And God damn it. Especially your ass. You weren't going there to play soldier. You're the guy with the kid shit. We need weirdos like you. Yeah. <laughs> little, little crazy medic guy. It's <laughs> true. It's true. Uh, Y'all medics are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. I think so. Thank you guys so much for listening. Yes. We love you. We love you. Send me those. Send me some links to put in the show notes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Find some links in the show notes if you want to uh, support people doing good work. Support Swampy. Support Swampy. Uh, that goes for anybody who you could call Swampy. Yeah. yeah. Support your local Swampy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you like what we do, please leave us a rating and review. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your medics. <laughs> tell your Eastern European intelligence officers. Tell your foot doctors. Tell your podiatrists. All right. All right. Take, Take care. care.
<laughs> to push the front. <laughs> Oh, 